Okay, hi there. Welcome to my untitled podcast. We're still we're still searching for a really really good, really catchy title for this. We've been calling it Boozy Banter, but I don't know. That's not really uh, that's not really sticking. I, I, I I'm not proud of that title. I want to be I want to be proud of the title of this podcast. So right now we're calling it the uh, the untitled podcast with uh, with Steve Kornacki or or something like that. But we're looking for a better one. So so stay tuned on that. And if you have any suggestions, please tweet them at me. Um, but anyway, uh, this week's episode of the Untitled Podcast, um, we, uh, we taped it the other night, Monday night, uh, went to a local bar near me here in New York City, uh, turned on the old, uh, the old Meerkat app, the live video streaming app, took questions from, uh, from the audience, took comments from the uh, audience on Meerkat, and talked for an hour with this week's special guest. And who was this week's special guest? Well, he is my colleague here at MSNBC. He has a, uh, a decorated uh, uh, career in, in uh, human rights issues, humanitarian issues, international, global issues. Uh, also a uh, child genius. He, was, he graduated uh, college, uh, I believe, at 15 years of age. So it was, uh, it was Ronan Farrow. Uh, it was really nice of him to come by. He had a, a really fun time. And we did something, something uh, extra fun this week, I think. It's a, a, little, a, new, a new feature of this show you're going to you're going to, uh, I think you're going to get a kick out of it, help you learn, learn a little bit about Ronan. So uh, I won't give that away. You'll, you'll find that out. But um, also, by the way, there, there just might be, the, the audio might fade in and out a few times during this podcast. Don't worry about that. Uh, nothing wrong with your, uh, with your machinery there. It's just, uh, just one of the little editing, uh, editing quirks that we had. So just bear with us on that and enjoy the conversation on this week's Untitled Podcast with Ronan Farrow. This is two things kind of rolled into one. Uh, we call this Meerkat Monday. So right now it is live. It's just after 10 o'clock on Monday night on the East Coast. We're at a bar on the Lower East Side of Manhattan called Donnie Brook. And we're here. I'm here with my special guest. I'm going to introduce him in just a second. But we're going to take your questions. We're going to take your comments. We're going to talk about all sorts of things for the next hour. But what this also is, is a podcast. So maybe you're listening to this not on Monday night at 10, but maybe Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. So we tape this Meerkat show every week in this bar. We put it up as a podcast so you can listen to it that way too. So not sure how you're listening to us, but if you are listening or watching, really happy to have you. You know how it works. If not, you'll catch on fast. And now let me introduce this week's special guest for, I believe, the eighth episode of Meerkat Monday. And this week, I actually did some research before the guest got here. So for, for a change, I know who I'm talking to. My guest tonight graduated from college at the age of 15. Graduated from law school. Tell me if any of this is wrong. He mixed up his notes. I'm actually Brian Stelter. Damn it. Graduated from uh, college at the age of 21, but apparently it could have been earlier because he deferred his admissions uh, to Yale Law School. He was the UNICEF spokesperson for uh, youth... You recognize that word? You, you hit that Wikipedia hard, Kornacki. <laughs> that thing's, listen, Wikipedia lists me as a graduate of the University of Vermont, so I know not to believe just, everything I see there. I went but to Tulane. I, I like the lies on Wikipedia. The they're Green Wave. Good. That's yeah. a good one. You were um, a special advisor for uh, uh, human rights uh, and NGO affairs in the office of the Special Representative for Afghanistan and Pakistan, and you were a special advisor to Hillary Clinton for global youth issues and for the last two years has been my colleague at uh, 
MSNBC, I think is what it says here. Ladies and gentlemen, Ronan Farrow. That. Hello, hello. It's good to be here. It's good. I, well, I am. I'm no Brian Stelter, but I'll try. I'll well, try. Brian Stelter was on a couple weeks ago. We loved it, but this is. I think you have the it's most epic podcast. I think you have the most Twitter followers. I'll tell you two things. One, you. I think you have the most Twitter followers of anybody we've had in the show. I definitely have the least, but you also have the most. Instagram followers. You know, what, what's been revealed to me is Steve Kornacki would not have a drink with me or so much as really speak to me at the office until he saw that I had a large social media following, at which point butter wouldn't melt. This guy. I mean, really. Well, I'm glad we're off to a, a good start here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not the most social person, but I think that's, I think that could be... very charming and he knows it. I think that could be the theme for the next hour because it's true. Ronan has been... A year and a half now, I'd say you've been with MSNBC. Is that give or take? Uh, two, two years, a year and a half. Uh, yeah, I started about six months before the show, so I don't know. Yeah, that's about right. I mean, I, I've two been there. Ish. I've been there for about a year, and, and like you say, we. I think your office now is is a couple doors down from mine. But you know, we don't know each other that well. And dark and dirty things happen in that corner of MSNBC. We do not speak of them. It, it's true. It's not clean, and it's kind of below ground. But. Um, so, I, you know, we don't know each other maybe that well. But also, you know, the theme of this show a lot is I don't know if the audience knows you that well, if they know me that well. So I thought, Why would they? I thought one of the themes of the show tonight, and this is a challenge for the audience, too. How do we get the audience involved on Meerkat? Well, here, here's, here's what I was thinking earlier. What do I talk to Ronan about? So what did I do? I typed in, in uh, I went to Google, and I typed in icebreakers. This is, what, this is what a date with Steve Kornacki is like. So I, I, I found a site. I, I found a site called icebreakers.ws, and I don't know what the WS means, but there's, there's a WS thing on, online. So I got 20 icebreakers. Then I wrote 10 of my own. <laughs> All so, right. so part of the thing we're going to do tonight, throughout the hour, you're going to have to pick a number between one and thirty, and, and, he, an and you're going to have to answer whatever the question is. It's pretty good. Some of them are, are a little more difficult than others, but you're stuck with whatever we got. So this is I, what a I'm, date with Steve Kornacki is like, and it's amazing. And Meerkat. The end of that. And, and, Meerkat. And, and part of it is, I asked the people on Meerkat. The, what true, are your, the true love of his life, Meerkat. What are your ice? What are your icebreaker questions? So send those in. Ronan can answer them. I can try to answer them. People in the bar can answer. Them. So let's let's just. I actually I love watching old, even '60s game shows. Um, not whose line it's anyway. Uh, what's what's my name? What's what's the what's one where they line? Actually, what's my line? Where right. they actually they guess the identity of the person. Right. Sometimes. Right. Those were amazing because they were such sort of posh. Genteel panels of password. high society types. The old, the old password Amazing. show, right? Yeah, Lo- love that era of games. But see, the game, the era that I love was the the '80s when there was a lot more sort of, there was fast music, fancy lights, a lot of you know, sure. uh, it, it was high tech for the era. But the pace really accelerated in the you '80s. Need more fancy lights. In, in Studio 3A. How about our fancy lights here? I know they can't they can't uh, see this on the podcast, but we got these. How do we look? You get these at Home Depot. They're uh, they're circles, and you press them, and light comes out. I've seen the infomercials. In case you fall over and die, and you're an old person. Oh, this is an as seen on TV. I think kind it's an as seen on TV. Yeah. Well, they also work for lights for this. So, so Ronan, pick another number. All right. Between one and thirty. Um. What number? All right. Your sister says six. Oh, six. So this is from the. Uh, this is from the icebreakers.ws list. All right. I always trust a .ws. Oh, this one's. I do all my banking on it. Now, now you can see the difference between the ones. That, the, what is your favorite thing to do in the summer? <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> wow. Well, it's timely because isn't today the first full day of summer? Uh, or second really, or something like that? Yeah. Um, 
I'm not a druid, so I don't know that. So, it's, so I don't care a lot of at people all. Out, a lot of people out there are celebrating that it's summer's here. But that, so that's the solstice, and the equinox is something else. Yeah, I mean, you have no idea what you're doing. No, talking. I have no. Uh, like, Why don't you move the clock forward? My favorite thing to do in the summer is to um, have drinks with uh, Steve Kornacki and, and talk on the meerkat. <laughs> well, your I'm, call, I'm calling it the meerkat, just FYI, everybody. The meerkat. Your summer's off to a flying start, then. I know. Well, How are it's you all, gonna it's all downhill from here is the problem. I mean, you got 91 days to match this. Are you going to be able to? Uh, no. No, I'm not. He's never having me back after this, so... I think this is the pinnacle. By the way, we, when we got to this bar earlier, it's Monday night, it was it was packed, we had a crisis. The reason we're a little late tonight is because there were... Another thing not to do on dates, talk about all the previous dates. At this rate, it's going to be all Brian Stelter for every ensuing episode. I was talking about 15 minutes ago. There was a World Cup game on. This, place oh, this is true. That was, that was true. And they were all telling me we had to go to another bar. Women's and soccer. It's kind of It's big down. here in the East Village. It's kind of calmed down. Are we allowed to, to reveal that we're in the East Village? This is supposed to be an undisclosed location. Lower East Side. We're actually in the Lower East Side. Are we technically in the Lower East Side? The bar is called Donnybrook on the Lower East Side. Uh, it's a great bartender. They play Motown music. You're picking up on that. Like I, I hail from the West Side. I don't do this East thing. You're, I see you live in New York City. You're uh, yeah, you too, right? I don't like to disclose that. He doesn't like to. Yeah. He's, he's with Dick Cheney at an undisclosed location in Westchester. You, you, I mean, and, uh, I bought a bar actually. <laughs> so no, I, I, I live here. But now, so you're from now. Did you grow up in Connecticut or did you? Mostly rural Connecticut. I was just discussing with your rural sister that I. Uh, like what's the I had what, pet cows. What's what? Cows, what is the name of the town? Like what is it? Uh, uh, well, or is it unincorporated? It's a small, a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere in Connecticut. It's very beautiful. Your folks are in Connecticut. Well, they're from Waterbury, which is a, a you know, kind of a tough the, town. The mean streets you know. of Waterbury. Waterbury is yes. a tough town. Yeah, it's like the Jersey City of Connecticut. That's, that's what they say. That's what no one has ever said. <laughs> Well, I just did, damn it. You just did. You said it well. So you, so you grew up in. Did you like growing up in a, in a small town? I did. I actually, I pondered this. I, I feel like I would rather raise kids in a place with some kind of a modicum of sense of community, where people know each other, they know each other's secrets. It's awkward when you run into them. Far better than the sort of the just wall-to-wall alienation. It sounds like of MSNBC. It is very much like MSNBC. I want to raise a child in the halls of 31. That sounds like a healthy upbringing yeah, with Uncle Andy Lack and uh, and we, a weird uncle, Steve Kornacki. I'm the weird uncle. <laughs> Junior. Steve Pernacki Sr., who's out of frame, is quite lovely. Um, now, 30 Rock is a... What do you think of working in 30 Rock? I mean, it's this uh, iconic building and everybody thinks that, you know... I have not gotten jaded about it. It's an incredible experience. Uh, you know, I pinch myself. It's, it's historic. Uh, so many different worlds intersect. You know, you can take a wrong turn by the gym and end up in the pyrotechnics room. There's a gym? <laughs> I had no idea. I've heard tell, you know. Um, Seth Meyers goes. I don't know. The Hollywood people go. But you, you can end up in, like, you know, an effects room or a props room, or, you know, you're suddenly on the SNL stage. It's, it's a crazy place to work. They get, but does the security get mad at you if you want? Because I've been yelled at by security. Uh, I mean, I just bat my eyes at them and they're fine. But i got to try that, maybe. I, I, I think it would work. Here's the problem I had when, uh, when I started, a little more than two years ago. I, they gave me the office. We were on the, uh, was the I think it was the eighth floor. And it was a nice office. Like I was like, wow, I, I got really lucky here. And every day at 11.15 a.m., the wall would just come to life. And there was this just pounding against the wall. And it turns out the other side of the wall was a, a studio where they did a Zumba, 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 whatever, you know. Every day at 11.15. And it lasted for a Good full stuff. hour. It was miserable. But now that's Seth Meyers' office. They kicked me out. And, and, and he, and he continues in. to do Zumba noisily every day. It's probably a stress relief thing. I don't know. So, 
Well, give me another number. Let's let's. We got thirty of these to get through. What number? Twenty-nine. Mr. Kornacki says twenty-nine. Oh, this is a good one. All right. Who from your younger days would you like to publicly apologize to right now? Wow. You know, my mom once told me a story from her childhood of being mean in some way that in the re retelling struck me as completely innocuous, but being insensitive to a kid in the schoolyard and then actually tracking him down like 50 years later and apologizing to him. Um, you want to do this. I am not a good person. Uh, my mother is, so I will not be doing this. Uh, is there somebody out there that you would like to, that you could think of who you would do that, uh, you know? Boy, I was in fifth grade and I... Well, you would probably just been accepted to Harvard in fifth grade or something, though, right? Like, <laughs> Please, yeah, come on, come on. So, Ronan, right. a couple questions for you. First, are you endorsing anyone in, in 2016? 100% Donald Trump all the way, all the way through, enthusiastically. No, uh... uh I don't think we can do that. I, I actually... It was a trick question. I was trying to get you fired. Yeah, so, so I mean, here's the thing. I've actually, I've, I've given this a great deal of thought. Uh, contrary, I think, to common scuttlebutt about a lot of people we work with, I actually, I think there are a lot of good intentions about staying pretty clean and down the center and doing impartial coverage. And certainly what I came in with was a frustration with the government in a very bipartisan way, a frustration with gridlock in Washington, and a desire to investigate and shed light on, on bad things on all sides of the aisle. So I actually, I feel it's a pretty important principle that we not have allegiances. You know, I mean, I'm very transparent about who, I'm, who I've worked for and what my history is, but um, I actually, the more I think about it, I, in talking to a lot of the old school investigative reporters I work with, because I work for the NBC investigative team as well, um, some of them don't vote based on that principle of, look, yeah, we're, I've met reporters we're, we're reporters, right. we won't do it. And I think there are arguments for and against that, but it actually is, is fairly appealing to me in a lot of ways. I understand that principle. I respect that. So that's your, your long-winded answer. And, so, and the, the other question was, so they said you have, uh, you're working on a book? What's the, what's the book about? All right, you first. They wanted to know about your book, too. Mine's a choose-your-own-adventure, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's about some kid detectives. No, it's... Uh, it's an erotic thriller about kid uh, detectives. Whoa. Um, no, it's... Uh, I, I'm just trying to make Steve uncomfortable here. Yeah, yeah, it's it's about New Jersey politics, but it's okay. Aimed at by the way, can we discuss? I have now grilled the Kornackis. The entire Kornacki family agrees that Steve is a, a massive carpetbagger. He has no authentic claim to New Jersey. What, dude, I never and, claimed. And any... in fact, he has some fake allegiances to Vermont too that are emerging these days. Well, let me explain the Vermont thing for a minute. This is so. If you go to my Wikipedia page, and I don't recommend it because it's he wrote it himself. Not true, but sort not of entirely. True. A few weeks ago, I looked at my Wikipedia page, and I, and I said, no, I shouldn't look at my, but anyway, I looked at it, and it said that I graduated from the University of Alabama, which was fine institution. I've never been to Alabama, you know, but it was, you know, okay, I don't know how anybody got that idea, so I was telling a friend of mine, and we, we might have been drinking a little bit, and I was like, you know where I would really like to have gone to school? I said University of Vermont, because I had just been up in Vermont, and I just... There's I, that carpetbagger so, Kornacki again. So he changed it, and he put my alma mater on, on Wikipedia as the <laughs> University of Vermont. So I, I'm very excited about that. Are you getting it up with fundraising emails from them? No, that, oh, here's the, but that's the other one I do. Is like, I actually went to, I, I don't like to admit this, I went to Boston University, and, and I feel, I, I feel kind of guilty about it. It, it. So BU right now, BU calls me once every few months with this solicitation for, for, you know, for money. So I finally got to a point with them. 
it's a long story, but I finally got to a point with them where every time they call me for money, I tell them no, but because you just called me for money, I'm now going to give money to UMass instead. So I give the University of Massachusetts a check every time Boston University. It's tough. Calls me tough for money. Here. They are. Right, so your book. So what's your book? All right, he doesn't. He doesn't want to talk about this book. Uh, I. I uh, have a long-suffering both body of research uh, from when I did a graduate degree uh, abroad and uh, a long-suffering book project, which is the uh, commercial interpretation of that same body of work. It's about various places that I worked where the United States funding and arming uh, fighting forces on the ground had unexpected consequences. So there are a lot of uh, you know pieces of great literature about this in the Cold War, for instance. The Mujahideen in Afghanistan, it's sort of the birth of the international jihadi movement off the back of, in some cases, American weapons and training. This is looking at that phenomenon still being alive and well post 9-11 today. So it's a lot of, um, you know, looking at mass graves in Afghanistan that were, you know, perpetrated by guys that we worked with, warlords, and some of these relationships that I saw firsthand during my time in Afghanistan so it's a comedy, you know, basically. With see, a see, light, a wrong Sounds like comedy. a beach book. Yeah, be a beach book. Choose your own adventure. Well, that's very... Uh, when's it coming out? Do you have a... Uh... Uh, probably next year. Famous last words. Well, how... Like, how... What percent complete would you say you are in terms of uh, writing so it? So, it's got four major case studies and two smaller case studies, and I've done sort of three and a half. Oh, so you really are. In, yeah. You're in great shape. Well, I'm three years in. Because I, I, I started writing mine a while ago. I, I checked the the word count the other day, and it's 7,600. You know what? They told me to aim for 200,000. Quality, 000. not quantity. <laughs> Those 7,600, I bet they're good. Well, I'm doing the thing with, like, the uh, size 14 font, <laughs> two and a half Wide spacing. Wide margins. I tried to fool the Comic editor. Sans. I stole that from Eric Greenberg, who's... Major publishing houses serious. love Comic Sans, size 16. All right, so it's a big secret of the publishing industry. Sounds like Jeff has another uh, All right. another question. Hit us, Hit us Jeff. Uh, Warren has really been asking this question every five minutes. Would you rather fight a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? That's a well-known question. The other question: <laughs> Doing water, ice skating, scuba diving, or sauna? Well, let's start with the horse-sized duck one, or the wait, a hundred. A hundred duck-sized horses, right. or one, well, one horse-sized duck, right? No, 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 no. Easily a hundred horses. Why could you? You couldn't fight a hundred of anything at once. Oh, I see. They're not a hundred ducks. They're a hundred duck-sized. Yeah, horses. I mean, a duck is still substantial. It's the size of a football. But they're horses like this. You just kick them away. You can run. They're not going to be able to move fast. Okay, they get those beaks in your but, shin. But one, your, but know. one duck that's the size of a freaking horse. I mean, yeah. a horse can kill you really easily. I, I disagree with you on this. Yeah, but if it's a duck, it doesn't have the strength of a horse. What I, just, the... what I want to know is that came from Warren. Is Warren my intern, Warren? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, wait so to stack the deck for like it. Or, or, I thought he was an agitated well, viewer. I, I was hoping that it was it was an agitated Elizabeth Warren that, asking that us about be, ducks and horses. Great so the, seems like part of her platform. The second question was about water or. Uh, which of the three activities do you like? Ice skating, scuba diving, or sauna? Ice. <laughs> have you done? Uh, have I? I've never scuba dived. Uh, or sauna was the last option. Or yeah. sauna. Well, I'm gonna go with uh, ice skating. 
and I didn't enjoy ice skating. I don't like any of those. He, he likes nothing. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say never ice skating. Uh, solo scuba diving, and depending on the company, possibly sauna. Scuba diving. I'm a, I'm a Nawi certified scuba diving instructor. You're a, you're a what? I'm, I'm certified with the National Association of Underwater Instructors, Steve. That's Are you a, really? That's an actual thing. But Ronan, it's not on your Wikipedia page, so how do I know well, it's true? Well, now go forth and add it, Some, somebody who cares about Wikipedia. Did you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? He studied at the University of Vermont in their well-known marine biology and sure, let's uh, go with that. aquatics program. All right, well, let, let's take the, we got a couple here, and let me start with... I know Lake Champlain is not officially a great lake, however, I recently went to Vermont and learned that in the year 1998, Leaders in the state of Vermont successfully petitioned the federal government to designate Lake Champlain the sixth Great Lake. And then when that happened, the leaders of all the other states of the Great Lakes got angry and they stripped the designation. So it no longer is. So that's why I say that. Now, the question was, who's your favorite superhero? And it sounded like you had a, uh, something to say about that. Uh, was it favorite or which superhero would you want to be? Those are very different questions. Which would you want to be? Oh, which would you want to be? I, I sorry, yeah. Um, I do think probably the most practical, uh, with the widest range of applications, would be to be Professor Xavier, right? Who's that? The X-Men uh, capable of mind control, Patrick Stewart, come on. Is that the one with the, the spaceship and, no, that's Star Trek, the... He, I mean, he has a, there's a flying vessel involved. I, you see, I don't, All right, I, don't yeah, yeah, I don't know what the superhero What power would you want? I also think I'd do very well with Mystique's powers. She's a shapeshifter. She can assume different forms. What kind of a nerd are you, Kornacki? What? Uh, just a fake New Jerseyite political So you want to be a shape? What power would I want? I would want the power of time travel. Is that a power? That, I, I don't, is there a time travel superhero? That would be an extraordinarily useful... Is it Father yeah. Time. Absolutely. That's the name of the character, right? He was in the... That would be the name of the character. Is that one of the Watchmen? I'm just guessing that would be the name of the character the time travels, Being right? Dr. Manhattan would be pretty great. Now, what does he do? Uh, he's, a, he's a naked blue dude who can do kind of everything. Blue Man Is it, like... Blue Man... He's, like, he's from Blue Man all right, move, moving along. No, this is a whole thing. This whole superhero show. I know they put these movies out and they make a hundred gazillion dollars. I just, I never got into comic books. I never got, so I don't know all okay, these. Okay, so you know. here's my question for you. What do you like, Steve Kornacki? Winter. Bleak. Wow. <laughs> How Scandinavian of you. Uh, what music do you listen to? So, one of the reasons we picked this bar, and people can hear this in the background, is the bartender who comes here on Monday nights plays... This great mix of Motown music, and I love Motown Good. music, and they play it here. So you're hearing nice. right now, you're hearing a little. I like Marvin and Tammy. We could never do this on TV. The licensing issues would be a nightmare. I think Morning Joe gets away with it. Yeah, but Joe and Mika get away with a lot. How do they do that? They're how, amazing. How do they're, I get away with what they I mean, get away that, with? that's that's my favorite superhero. It's Joe and Mika. You're right. They're using that, using licensed music. They're like those the twins that transform. What are what are the twins that transform? The Full Joe? House twins. <laughs> <laughs> Although they have transformed a fair bit. <laughs> I mean, what's crazy is, is that, like, the superior thir third twin, they're now, they're a triple. I mean, not literally triplets, but there's, you know, there's Elizabeth from Mary, Marcy, Marlene, Magdalena, Mobutu. I have no idea. Miyazaki. Come are, on. Are you excited about, are they, you must be excited about this, though. I did Elizabeth Olsen, you guys know. You, you, a hundred people in the crowd, you know. But aren't you, they're bringing back that show you must have loved, The he Heroes. Is that what it's called? I must have loved Heroes. No, I, never, I never saw Heroes. Really? 
everybody has like a power, and it's an NBC show, and they were like, I watch every NBC, every canceled NBC show. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a growing list. Did you hear they just canceled Hannibal? Any any words for uh, uh, our, our buddies over at the entertainment side? Oh, I that, see, I tried watching Hannibal. That was a uh, some shows just leave you like some shows and some movies. You watch them and you just you, like. You feel worse about the world you live in. That's what Jeff Greenblatt also thought. Bob Greenblatt, I'm sorry. Who's that? Who the, who the hell runs NBC? <laughs> that's, that's, that's Bob, it's, I'm kidding. Bob is a friend, he's lovely. I am excited that NBC... Have you ever had someone so corporate on this meerkat? No, I should know the names. I, you know... You should not... When are you ever going to be dealing with Bob Greenblatt? We had the... We had Stelter on, and I had to tell him, like, when there's a memo sent around NBC... I don't get the memo, but I read Stelter's right, like report on it. That's how I find out there was a memo sent out. Right. It, it pops he up know, on He Brian, knows you know. first. I promise you I have never leaked anything to Brian Stelter, or actually to anyone. I have never leaked anything from a private institution. I just want to be on the internal mailing list. I want to get the company <laughs> newsletter. That's all. I no one tells Steve. Oh, you know, please. Well, let's see what else we have here from Jeff. Um, just make shit up. Uh, <laughs> do either of you like Taylor Swift? And will you be streaming her over iTunes? What, Does that what, question make any sense to you? What that the questioner probably means over Apple Music. She probably did, and I said iTunes. Because that would be the topical question today. Why, now, why is that a topical question? All right, so uh, Taylor Swift has used her considerable clout in the music industry uh, to take a stand on what many who have less prominent voices consider unfair revenue distribution models in the streaming music era. So she took a stand against Spotify and said, I will not in fact be distributing my music with them anymore because the writers and producers don't get a big enough cut of the proceeds, there's not enough money to go around. Um, and she's been very, I have to say, savvy and careful about pointing out, this is not about me, I can support myself obviously, I'm a wealthy woman, however, this is about the up and coming artist who actually needs these proceeds. Uh, so the latest is that she sent an open letter to Apple after they announced their entry to the streaming music market, Apple Music, long awaited, something Steve Jobs had said at one point, you know, sort of over my dead body, not in so many words, but he felt people wanted to own music, they would never go streaming. They have now gone streaming, and with a three-month free trial period. This is more detailed than Steve Kornacki ever wanted or will retain. Fascinating. But they weren't going to, <laughs> they weren't going to compensate the artists or the people behind the scenes for those three months. Okay. It was going to be free because no one was getting paid. So Taylor Swift said, I'm boycotting. Here's why you should too. I'm disappointed in Apple. This is terrible. And within 24 hours, she gets a letter from Apple corporate, a reciprocal open letter saying, we've changed our policy. You know, please don't hate us, Taylor. So I, I take it, so she's a singer. She is, a, Taylor Swift is a singer. I know. Wasn't there one of the American Idol winners was Taylor? Was that it? Uh, that, that is not her. That's a man. There was That's a Taylor another. who won American Idol, though, right? Sure. And American Idol is now. I'm it's trying to done. talk about gone. Pleasure. It's all. Is it? Is it gone? Everyone's canceled, Steve. It's not you. You're the last man standing in television. Meerkat Monday. Meerkat only... Monday. But he's already. You know. You can see him building those escape rooms. Meerkat. Meerkat's a lifeboat. Pick another number. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> uh, uh, Seventeen. Did we do? Oh. No, we did that. No, no, 17 okay. is a good one. Is that one of yours? No. I only want yours. Well, then go 20 to 30. That's that's your... Uh, pick the, pick pick the sexiest icebreaker on this list. Oh, so I guess you mean question 23. All right. Would you rather be blind or deaf? <laughs> <laughs> Rawr. Um, 
not. This is a tough one. No, 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 no it's not. It's life. not. E easily, uh, while I am deeply sympathetic to both of these situations and both wonderful communities and with their own unique, uh, you know, pros and cons, of course, as any walk of life brings, I don't want to run afoul of the deaf movement in this country. I, I think I would have to say uh, being blind would be probably the lesser of two evils if I were to. I grew, look, I might be biased. I grew up with blind siblings. Um, so I know that experience a little better. And I think if you can still, music is a very important part of my life. And I think if you can still experience music and kind of the emotions that that brings, you can still make music um, in an unimpeded fashion. I, I, that to me is, is big. That maybe is bigger than, even though I'm a very visual person, I have a visual imagination. Look, part of this question would be, when do you lose your sight? I was just gonna say yes, because if you if you if you have a mental concept of the world, yeah. then you can your imagination works in a way that it otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. And, I, and I that think is the key variable to that question. I've known uh, blind people who uh, have lost their sight at different ages, and it's a very different experience for them in terms of how they view them. Although I think that might also apply to deafness. If you if you can sure. hear, if you know what music is, if you know what the sounds of different voices yeah. are, what the sound of uh, yeah. Whatever, I'm not that poetic, but yeah, I, that's an interesting. Well, you have just taken this. I've been grappling with that question my whole life, and I don't have a good answer. But that's an interesting. I mean, twist I just to it. Uh, look. I, I have fewer deaf friends. I hope that changes over time. But uh, I don't know that community as well, and I do know that you know I, I know a, a large number of, of blind people you know, who have very, very full, rich lives. Can you, can you, you sign? Can you do sign language? I can't. No. I I have one. But I can do a little bit of Braille just from growing up around it, not very well. But um, And you know, look, there's so, so much of what we do is through audio interfaces now. You can use an iPhone seamlessly with audio. You can, you know, books on tape are sort of all you need to experience all the literature in the world. It's, you, have, you, you don't have to miss a lot, culturally. I can say one phrase in, in sign language. Let's hear it. Well, you can't really it. hear it, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> it's gonna snap it, it doesn't work on a thing, but I, it, it, so it's it, A, Day, no, pigs would die. And it's because we were reading that book, A Day No Pigs, day would, no pigs die. would Die. At the time, I was very close to a friend of mine who had a deaf sister, and so she showed me how to say the book in sign language. So well, we that go. line will get you through any relationship, really. You know, it sounds like we have more questions coming in. <laughs> uh, well, Paul thinks this last exchange was weird, and I, I agree with Paul. Uh, what was weird? This, this last uh, exchange right now. <laughs> These questions are quite provocative. Um, Judith Riley wants me to ask you a sports question to even out the Taylor Swift question that Steve got stuck with. So maybe do you have any thoughts on the big golf match last night and this guy Spieth who apparently won and is a 21-year-old phenom? Or how about Le LeBron James not not winning with the Cavs even though he had a great uh, great playoff run? Any any thoughts on Le LeBron crying in a locker room? You know that's like that's our our, our national icon now. That's 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 the state of the sports world. I don't, I don't know. I, I we I know speak only from like occasionally covering golf stuff when it was breaking news. You've, so, co you've covered golf stuff. What was the what golf stuff did you have to cover? Please don't ask me to recall. <laughs> Steve Gornacki. What was your? So you're not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a golf fan. I feel I should be. I actually. I feel like there are whole relationships that I could build if I. It's a, big, it's a very corporate game. I mean, and you're dropping all these CEO names, so maybe you'd, 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 you know. Which CEO names? I forgot I? the name already. We were like, <laughs> who was the guy at first? The NBC guy you were saying. I forgot the name already. Bob Greenblatt yeah, is not at the NBC. No, NBC, right? Yeah, I bet he's NBC a. I bet, he, I bet he plays golf. I bet he's been in a few sand traps. 
<laughs> Bob, have you been in a few sand traps? What is, do you, do you, are there any sports you like? Do you like a racquetball uh, or a ball? I, you know? I played a little, uh, well, played. I mean, I, I shot a little skeet and trap in, in, at school. Uh, Okay. okay. Could you could you come up with a more obnoxious skeet crust <laughs> old, old school conservative sport? Um, yeah, actually, you know, look, skeet skeet and trap in, in its sort of Olympic form is, is quite precise and, and tactical. Um, people forget it's an Olympic sport. What's the thing they say when you're doing skeet shooting? They launch play pigeons. But no, they, there's that pole. Is that the thing they say? They, is that the, the pole? No pole. Isn't the word? They, yeah, pole. Well, what does that mean? What, what are you shotgun? That's if you're doing it at home and it's you're literally like pulling your own play pigeon shooter, basically. You it pull and it's and it's and it releases the pit. That's what it means. Okay, I see that in movies and that's my right. exposure to this right. this thing. So I didn't. That's interesting. Okay, so that's your would that be your favorite sport? Uh, I mean, look, I mentioned the scuba diving. I like scuba. It's not a competitive sport, but I like the scuba. Okay, that's a good one. Now we the National Association of what Underwater. What do you see? How, how, what's the lowest? Uh, how far below sea level have you ever been? What's the lowest you've ever been? Actually, I don't even know the I know that my my, my answer initial, is six feet. My scuba <laughs> instructor. Uh, as we were beginning our for very first course in this, which by the way involved qualifying dives in the Long Island Sound in January. Okay. So this was neither fun nor anything resembling like. But can, if you're in the suit, if you're in the suit, you can't feel it. Right? No, you can absolutely feel it. Oh, you feel it's it. A complete okay. nightmare. But it, the the icebreaker to this class was taking a uh, was a, a story of how he had had a best friend die from going, you know, a thousand feet under, and a light imploded, and there were two guys, only one made it back up. Um, what? So, yeah. So that make you want to jump in? Absolutely. Gung-ho. got to be a fighter. Would you, ju- would you jump out? Would you do one of those uh, uh, parachute out of an airplane things? Would you do that? Or have you done that? You may have done that already. I, I, I have not. I, I would do it for work. I go where the work takes me. You would do it for work. <laughs> so if you were busy covering golf and they were like, you know what would make this, this golf We need an aerial just, shot. Yeah, do we, need, we need to yeah. 30,000 feet above Pebble Beach. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I could do that. Uh, let's see here. We have more ice what are, what are your competitive sports? What do you actually play yourself? What do I play currently? Yeah. Uh, I do uh, city bike. Uh, that, yeah, that is a noted competitive you know, sport. Yes, I was in a I was in a city bike accident last. I am time. actually I'm a competitive Smash Brothers player. If that means anything to anyone, and well, if, no, if, that, if that ends this right now, what does it mean? It's a, it's a video game thing. Oh no, that's this a whole is, other world. My research. Oh, I didn't mention this by the way. I'm gonna take my notes back out. Oh, we have to ask you. Oh, about what is your research reveal? This was also. I mean, I'm like. James Lipton, right? I do. So listen to this. You have been the voice of two characters in Japanese animated films. Is that right? That's true. The secret's out. I have been an anime voice actor. Okay, what were the what were the two characters' names? Um, oh my god. <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> they were like Japanese names. One was like Mr. Don't you? Isn't this like a method acting thing? You have to like learn the backstory. And well, like... you know, I did. It. I went full Meryl on it at the time. There were Studio Ghibli movies. I really cared. They were very you small just, characters. Just washed it out of your memory. <laughs> no, I love voice acting. Come on. How did, I mean, how did that come about? What we do is voice acting, right? We're tracking pieces all like day and night, and it's, it's the same kind of skill set. You're, you're trying to imbue it with some something real. They ask me to track pieces, but it always sounds like a lot of work, so I never really get around to it. But wait, how did you? It is very old-fashioned. How did you? How did you get into? I track a lot. I had to track from a car the other day. 
Like I weirdly I'm in the tracking business. Yeah, you're doing packages. You're a reporter. That's the that's the job. I, I do packages. I got the elbow from Jeff. That means there's more questions. What is the most dangerous thing you guys have ever done? I got an answer to this, but I want to hear yours first. What's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? Um, am I allowed? I think I'm allowed to say. I think there are no repercussions. I, I've I've snuck out of U.S. embassies in like pretty rough war zones with where I like I shouldn't have, and I didn't. I actually it, like it, it, there's a serious undercurrent to this because you really you shouldn't do anything that causes grief for other people who are working hard at an embassy in that kind of situation. But there are cases where there are just incredibly uh, pressing, countervailing reasons so to like, get out. You so were there's like, at, at you're, you're, you were in Ottawa at the American <laughs> Embassy in Canada. Right. Uh, it, you know, there were Quebec separatists and... Uh, well, the Quebecois. Just, just hard times out there. No, I mean, there, you, so you have RSOs, regional security officers at embassies, whose job it is to basically just make sure that nobody gets killed. And then you have, you know, a marine reinforcement that's at the front of the embassy. So there are layers you have to get through, and mostly, you know, you deal with the red tape and deal with it when they say, no, you can't leave, no matter how important it is. Uh, but there have been occasions where, you know, as I think most people do, if we're being frank, you, you'd skirt that out of necessity because it's life or death, or you just feel you got to because you're there to try to make so a difference. So when, when, when you do that and you come back, what are, what's the fallout? Do they, no, do they well, rip up your passport? Not until they... now. <laughs> oh, they didn't know until now. No, no. Well, if you're doing it right, they don't know. Wow. What would be the repercussion? Um, a, very, a very mad embassy, and, and it's it's not a thing you should do. Uh, but honestly, like, it, you know... I don't even mean sneaking out solo in the night. I mean, you know, a, a group of people decide it's it's worth going out for a thing, and, and you don't want to do it in, you know, a steel box. They send you out in a rhino in Kabul, for instance, which is like a... They have little glass plates in the side where you stick rifles through if something gets bad, but otherwise there's kind of no way out. It's very hard to interact with people. So if you're in the business of trying to interact with people, you know, sometimes you have to bend the rules. So, so there have been some settings where I've, like, you know, pushed the threshold a little. I, I thought I had a good one, but that, I think you took the cake on that. So I'll, uh, was that, a, that was a kind of a self-important answer. My, mine was that uh, I used to be a kid and I would take baths and I left the boombox plugged in on the sill of the bathtub. That's and much better. If, That's it, had, so if much it had just fallen in slightly, I would have been fried. But, I, but there I, were no embassies right, around. I, I should have given a more fun answer. That, that and a lot of Fifty Shades of Grey stuff. You know. Let's see what else, Jeff. Uh, somebody wants to know what Smash Brothers character you like to play as. Uh, there's another person who's asked a few times about a Guns 2.0 report. I don't know. A what report? Guns 2.0. Is that something that you've worked on? Yeah. You know, all right. That's, that's coming out. All right. We got him. First of all, all right. which Bash Brother Steve, are you? Steve, what Smash Brothers character do you well, play? Which Bash Brother? I'm Jose Canseco. You're Mark McGuire. That's my answer. <laughs> uh, I think we're getting to the bottom of, of, of why Steve Kornacki is a cooler person than I am. Uh, all right, so so just to be brazenly nerdy, because under 200 people are watching right now, and I can do that. Uh, but we're going to get another 150 on the podcast. Just yeah, keep that in mind. That's the power of podcasts. Although, Serial, what, 8 million people? F- 5 million, but thanks for making me feel inadequate. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it could happen to you. So, uh, I used to be pretty competitive with Chic back in the day. 
And unfortunately, in the latest iteration of Smash Brothers, they have disaggregated the Sheik and Zelda movesets, you know, as, as you know, Steve. Uh, so this is going to cause a great consternation and really cause me to change up my play style. Not really for the better. I'm not as competitive as I once was. There's your answer. Where, now, do you play this on Nintendo or Atari? Uh, this is this is a Nintendo property. I'm pretty, good, I'm pretty good with Pikachu, actually. Oh, wait, Pikachu, I know, wait, Pikachu is, uh, Sen is a... guy wanting to end a date rapidly. <laughs> no, no, I know, Pikachu's a, a po Pokemon. It's a, po a Pokemon, yeah. My, I used to work, my uncle has a store in the summer, I used to work there, and they sold Pokemon, Pokemon. cards. And they, they yeah. remember the kids... Yeah, no, he had Pokemon cards when yeah, they were his, fake. His kids sold them. Right, okay. That, that's, you know, people, uh, people get very serious about those Pokemon cards. Wait, so what was the other thing they wanted to know? They wanted to know about his... Oh, Guns 2.0. What's All this? Right. I'm sure that's... Uh, I'm going to guess. I bet that's Lori asking about Guns yeah, 2.0. I believe it was a Lori. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. It's Lori, a Lori question. You're wonderful. <laughs> it's a Lori question. And Why is that a Lori question? Uh, Lori is very smart. Uh, she's always on point. She sticks to the substance. Not that she's not fun. Lori is fun, too. But uh, I, I appreciate that Lori also has gravitas and actually cares about the substance of what I'm doing. It makes me want to be better. Thank you, guys. Uh... Lori, Guns 2.0 actually is in the can, will be airing. Uh, I was in the edit bay on it today. It looks really, really interesting. Now, Lori is someone who uh, I think had some serious misgivings about any coverage of gun enthusiasts. Uh, I, I may be narrating your point of view wrong, but that's what I remember from your tweets. We did a story for the Today Show. Um, it's for a series I'm doing that's sort of undercover stories for them. Something I had piloted on MSNBC, now I'm doing it for them. Uh, one of the stories was on young gun enthusiasts, millennials who kind of don't fit the profile you necessarily expect, uh, but are kind of this new vanguard, especially online, of gun lovers. So I thought it was an interesting topic to explore. I hope you find that it, it is both thought-provoking and uh, when is it, when non is it to, uh, on either side. When is it going to air? Um, soon. We don't have an air date yet, but in the next you know, couple of weeks. I, so now that's an interesting topic because I, now I used to work on a show called The Cycle on, on uh, MSNBC. Fine, a fine MSNBC program. And there were four of us, and, and at the time, one of the, uh, my coworkers was S.E. Cup. Love that so S.E. Cup. Cup is a millennial. Well, I don't know what the cutoff exactly, but she's basically a millennial. A fine, fine broadcast. She is really into guns. She's very into hunting. Uh, 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 you know, she would explain. I don't know all this stuff, but I, I remember she just she knew she was very. You talk about somebody who does not fit the what you would think of as the profile of a gun owner, but she's very into hunting and the sport of it and all of that. And it was very interesting working with her and, and, and hearing all of it. Well, know? it's interesting actually. Two of one. We shot at a bunch of different places, kind of this sort of new generation of gun clubs that are as much a, you know, a, a nightlife spot on a Friday night as they are shooting range, um, you know, at actual ranges people go to. Talk to a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. I would say almost to the last person, men, women, different creeds and colors, uh, people talked about, people sort of of our generation, talked about getting drawn into guns through video games a lot of the time. Not in the sort of um, inflammatory scare tactic sense of, you know, Tipper Gore back in the day wanting to ban video games, but saying, hey, in the same way that um, you know, video games inspire a certain competitive skill set. We like the thrill of actually thinking about the shooting tactically. It's not a, it's not a violent act for them. It's a, it's a tactical skill set, and it's a competitive sport. 
So it's an interesting difference. They talk about sort of the zen of being in the moment and shooting. So on the one hand, you have this very different side of, of gun use that's actually not particularly political was one of the surprises. And then on the other hand, I actually did talk with them frankly about mass shootings and how you reconcile having that as a sport and also dealing with these critiques about gun safety. So I hope it'll honestly address the issues, especially in, in the current climate. Go to the, I, I used to do this at uh, a big popular, you talk about the video games and hunting. There's a popular game in bars. Is Buck Hunter, big Buck Hunter. You ever see this one? And they they put a quarter in the machine, and they uh, deers come up on the screen. And so I used to like. I, I it had the opposite effect on me. I was always. I would look at these. I mean, these are such lifelike deer, right? And they're just grazing, and they're eating their grass, or you know, drinking from the lake, or whatever they do. And Steve is like sobbing. So my no, my I changed. I said this is all. We're gonna call this game "Free the Deer," and you fire the shots in the air, and whoever lets the most deer live wins the game. Yeah, right. and, and I remember. A rich and, I remember and being at. I remember being at bars, and some of my friends like, "Oh, that's funny." Ha ha. I love it. I always want to play it, and you always act like an asshole whenever it's time to play Big Buck Hunter. It pisses me off. Well, the deer that don't die don't think I'm an asshole. No. But I, I remember I had a experience this night, and there was like you know my friends who you know they thought it was funny at least, but they, you know whatever. But the, the, all the other like people around there who didn't know me, they were actually offended that I was not killing the deer. I mean, I said, how good a person is Steve Kornacki? <laughs> Steve, I mean, honestly, every time you know I'd have Steve on the program, he'd always be so good. You know, I just interact with Steve. You know, casually at the office, I don't know him well, but it's always lovely to see him. I'm just, I just feel like you know. Uh, a weathered, jaded old, uh, you know, I was going to use a word I can't use on this podcast, but, uh, you know, something not, something, something that's been through the ringer and, and is, is too calloused and traumatized by life. Steve is like, this, this is very dark for this podcast, I feel like Steve is, 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 a, is an innocent. I'm like a deer. He's like a deer. <laughs> he won't even shoot the damn deer in pick, pick another number. We've All got right. more of these. I want to get um, some of these in. All right, so if that, if the deafness and blindness question was the sexiest, <laughs> I really want to know what is the least sexy icebreaker of question, your list. Question 21. Okay, all right. From one to six, rank the New England states in order of how much you'd like to live in them. <laughs> now, you've already lived in Connecticut. We know this. I, I think my only choice, one through six, Vermont. I want to, I want to go into, like, the Northeast Kingdom... Uh, you know, have a have a, a hut have a deer or a, hunting a wigwam, uh, you know, whatever whatever you live with there, uh, with you know, with your your granola kind of uh, you know earthy organic goods store. So Vermont's number one. Uh, this this is my fantasy of living in Vermont. I'm sorry, those are some Vermont stereotypes. You could, you could mention maple syrup and some, a little know. maple syrup. Wear some Birkenstocks, you know. So what's Vermont? Watch a little Xena in the evening. What's number two? Uh, we gotta get through six. It's the question. I'm sorry. We have to. You know, I have to, I have to look at the policy questions. Uh, <laughs> I, I have uh, disabled siblings who live in Vermont, and I'm sorry, in Massachusetts, and uh, have been treated very well under Romney care. And I actually, I think, therefore, you know, Massachusetts, certainly Boston's a great city, Urbane, but also, you know, you, you get some of those. Policy benefits of a very, very progressive system um, that actually has been good to my own family. So, so Massachusetts probably, number one. No, no, I would say I would say Vermont for the actual the the florid fantasy of settling down away from everything, and then in practical terms probably Massachusetts because it's also easy to get to other places. Then what's number three? Oh my God, we're really doing it. <laughs> I don't know. This will become boring very rapidly. I'll give you a si- one to six. All right, right away. yeah, t- tell me, tell me. 
Massachusetts number one, Rhode Island number two, Connecticut number three, Vermont number four, New Hampshire number five, Maine number six. No, 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 no. Give me a little color. What's your fantasy of, what was your number one, Massachusetts? Massachusetts. I grew up right. there. I just the best. What is, I love what is your fantasy settling down in Massachusetts that you're not doing now, but you want to? I lived my fantasy in Massachusetts. <laughs> I got to. <laughs> Be you. You want to go back? No, that was, that was before I went to my undergrad days at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island, I think Rhode Island is just the most unique place in America. I think it's the most underrated place in America. I think it is, it is small, but it's so, it's uh, tightly po densely populated. It has a unique culture. But it, it's not Boston. It's not Connecticut. It's it's nowhere else in America. The, the coffee milk. You can't find coffee milk anywhere in America. You go to any store in Rhode Island, it's on the shelf. I love the attitude of the people uh, in, in Rhode Island. They're, they're, it's very Catholic. It's very lapsed Catholic. I can relate to it. It's, I, sure. I love Rhode Island. Connecticut. I have family from Connecticut. I love Waterbury. I, uh, Vermont, now, Vermont recently jumped from number five to number four on my list because I spent some time up there and I love Vermont. New Hampshire, that's falling off a little and my parents live in Maine now. It's, it was an unfortunate decision on their part, but uh, you know, I think <laughs> But they, the lobster, come on, the lobster. Uh, I feel, based on this answer, Steve Kornacki and I would do very well sort of settling down into a Grey Garden style, uh, you know, dilapidated mansion in the Hamptons and just eating eating, the Hamptons. eating tuna. The Hamptons <laughs> is like 51st on my list. Eating tuna fish out of the can, like 72 cats. I can't do the Hamptons. You know, wearing head scarves together. I gotta, come on, you've seen Grey Gar Gardens, right? No? Have I seen who? Grey Gardens. Uh, is that a, uh, we're, we're going to talk about so many things after this. Is that a Taylor Swift song? It's not, yeah. Greg Arden is not a Taylor Swift song. If I were to actually cut loose from all of the structures that I'm in now and not really care about changing the world or making the world a better place or meeting interesting people or finding love or fulfillment, I think what I would be doing is chasing beetles over sand dunes. I think I would be Gerald Durrell or Attenborough. I think I'd, I would want to do animal behavioral study. and. I, I was a bio major in college, not really because I wanted to be pre-med, but because I, I wanted to do that. And then I, I came to the cold, hard realization that it's it wasn't the area where I could um, you know have an impact that would be meaningful. Maybe pro wasn't even right for my skill set. I'd probably be terrible at it. But that's like the pie in the sky crazy fantasy if I drop everything. I actually have the same fantasy. Do you really? No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's by far a much more interesting answer than I was expecting. Ronan Farrow. Thank you Thank for letting you for me play this. Audie Cornish for this just was, an hour. This was fantastic. Great. Thank you, everybody, for watching this week. Thank you, Kornacki family. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Ronnie uh, Forever, if you're out there. We'll do this again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>